0: Good morning again. We all are excited to see each other. I love it. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. It's going to be awesome. It's Palm Sunday. As we said before, I've always enjoyed Palm Sunday. I don't I can't even fully articulate why. Just something about celebrating Jesus as the humble king has always just touched my heart. And uh, just imagining him. By the way, thanks to those who participated with the streamers in worship. That was super fun. Uh, all you children of God, bless the Lord. Um, that's right, children of God of all ages. Um, just imagining the picture of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and just that audacious, undignified praise going up to him. There's something so right about it. Am I right? Um, next week we get to celebrate the resurrection. That's going to be a party. Um, I do want to extend an invitation. Um, Kirby Riles and I are wanting to go out um, and invite people even door to door nearby the church to come handing these out if anyone would like to go with us we'll make it so easy on you we'll do all the work Um, but it's a a good time to just meet people uh, pray with them if they let us tell them about Jesus if they let us um, good, good times. So would love to have you talk to myself or Kirby if you're interested in that. Um, but today we will be diverging a bit from our se- Empowered series to look at the triumphal entry story, uh, what we look at on Palm Sunday. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it to Luke chapter 19, um, or a device if you like to read the Bible there. Um, we'll also have the scripture up on the projector. So we've got you covered. I just want you to see the Word of God. It's such a powerful story because It's really, it's true. It really, really happened. Um, And it really, really matters. But it's also so prophetic. It it, it speaks to a time yet to come. As so much of Jesus' life and ministry on earth was, uh, he finished the work for that season, but it was always hearkening unto the fullness of time, the completion of the work. And so as we see and imagine the reality of what happened 2,000 years ago when he rode into don- uh, Jerusalem on a donkey, which was a fulfillment of promise, a uh, prophetic promise, this is your king. He knew what he was doing. He's declaring, I am your king, riding into Jerusalem, um, but he didn't end up on a throne In Jerusalem that day, but I tell you the day is coming where Jesus will return to Jerusalem and the people there will say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and Jesus will come and he will take his place on the throne in Jerusalem and he will rule from Jerusalem on planet earth for a thousand years and then beyond. That day is coming. You should get excited about that. He will return and he will rule. It's what we all want. And it's what we all need. It's why they were so excited. They're like, this is it. He's the Messiah. He's here. And they should be. It's so right, so right. The truth is Jesus is the king we all really want. Even people that don't realize it. Jesus is the king every human heart longs for. And he's the only one we really all need. Blessed is he. That's what they said. Blessed is the one who comes. And that's the title of our message today. Um, So this day that we'll be looking at was not the day for him to rule as they had hoped, but it was the day they needed. And I believe Jesus wants to speak to us afresh from what may be a familiar story. Would you pray with me as we dive in? God, we thank you for your word that is living and active. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us right now by your spirit, and that you, as you rode in that day, are still riding in to hearts that will receive you as king. And we just say we receive you again. Or would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we dive into your word? Would you open our eyes to see you and open our hearts to receive you in Jesus' name? If you agree, you can say Amen. All right, so I'm going to read the Luke 19 account um, through, and then we're just going to unpack a little bit, see what the Lord is speaking to us today. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. You There, says this in the NIV. After Jesus had said this, now he'd shared some parables and stuff, so that's where we're at con- contextually. After he said this, he went on ahead Going up to Jerusalem, and as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go into the village ahead of you, and when you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead, verse 32, and found it just as he told him. And they were, as they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And what did they say? And I added this in because other accounts include it. Luke's does not. They said, Hosanna, as we sang today. Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And you may have a footnote. That's from Psalm 118. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they're shouting this as Jesus is coming into town. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, verse 40, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. We're gonna stop there. Blessed is he. Our king has come to us, am I right? And hallelujah, he came to provide as king, as Lord, and as savior what we could never provide. We know the rest of the story. He's riding into Jerusalem on this day And in a week, less than a week, he'll be hanging on a cross. But this is the way the king comes. But he would provide for us through his journey as king, cleansing from sin, transformation, a new nature. He would come this time, in Luke 19, to win our hearts by laying down his life. Blessed is he. It's this moment what was a prophetic fulfillment that Zechariah had spoken of. If you want to look at it sometime, Zechariah chapter 9, it says your king comes to you humbly riding on a donkey's colt. And Matthew repeats that in his gospel as well. But what does this tell us? What does it mean? Well, it was common after a victory for a king to come riding into the city. But though usually the kings of the day would come riding on a champion's steed, Lording it over the people to be celebrated for how great they were. Jesus, this our king, comes in riding on the donkey, which is the, the animal of the common man. Because he was, yes, he was the king who would conquer and he would bring the victory, but he was also the champion, the champion of you and me. That he would identify himself with us by coming humbly. Putting himself on our level. I mean, even imagine the level between a donkey and a champion steed. Putting himself on our level to fully identify with us, to show us forever that the way he comes as king is never to lord over us, but always to save us. And here he was, the promised Messiah. And there could be no doubt, it wasn't an accident. That he was doing this. This is one of the few times Jesus deliberately put himself in the way of fulfilling the promise. The rest was in simply living out the life as the Lord told him to do it. And people would look back and say, oh, the scripture said that. Oh, the scripture said that. But this one, Jesus deliberately is setting himself up as king and Lord and Messiah so that no one could miss it. Showing us he is the one they've waited for. He is the one they wanted, but maybe he's not coming in exactly the way they had hoped. He truly is the king we all want and the king we all need, and we should rightly, as they did that day, raise our voices in loud praise because he's worthy. He's the one worthy of our praises, amen? He is the only one. It was the right response, though they didn't fully understand their moment. They're crying, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes, and it's, it's loud, and it's raucous, and it's noisy, and the, the whole town is shouting because they've seen the miracles. They've heard the teaching. This is the one. This must be the one. And you know what? He was. It was right. What they were doing was so very, very right in the moment. Take note of what they said, though, the cry, Hosanna is a very unique cry. It's an exclamation of adoration and praise, but it literally means, save us now. Please save us or save us now. So if you know the, the, the cultural and political context of the day, they really wanted Jesus to be king. He wanted them him to overthrow the government of the day because they were being oppressed. It wasn't good for them. Jesus, Messiah King, is here. this is the liberation we've been looking for and longing for. That's, that's how they saw it. But take note, Jesus did not correct them, because they were right. It was the right cry. Blessed is He who comes. This time he could have been like, "Hey guys, this isn't the time. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up the procession. Uh, I'm doing something different right now. You're, you're not going. No, it was right. It is right to praise him as the one. It's always right to praise him as the one. And it's so wonderful. Other uh, gospel accounts to talk about that it was the children, you know, waving the the palm branches before him. That even the simplest. Childlike faith can understand that he's the one and he's worthy of our praise. Um, So he didn't rebuke them, you know, let me explain, let me explain to you uh, what's going on. No, he knew that how this was going to go down and it was still right. I read something really interesting this week. Uh, You may or may not have heard of a a guy. His name is Rabbi Jason Sobel. Somebody asked. Um... (laughs) Anyways, he is a rabbi. He's a Jewish teacher, but he believes and follows Jesus. And uh, I love to look into his stuff now and then. And so I saw him, yes, on our spring break vacation. I was scrolling Instagram, and he had a cool post about Palm Sunday. He said um, the Sabbath or Shabbat before the Passover, which is when Jesus was crucified, uh, that's when this would have been. Jesus would have been riding in on, on this Sabbath Called Shabbat Hagadol. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it literally means the Great Sabbath. And why was it called the Great Sabbath? Was the Sabbath when the, the Israelites enslaved in Egypt brought the Passover lambs into their homes. The, the one, the lamb that would provide the atonement by the blood and would ultimately lead God would lead them to be delivered out of their captivity. And so they remembered forever this one as the great Sabbath when the Passover lambs were brought into their home. In remembrance of that day, the lamb was set aside for the Passover in Egypt where they would be delivered from slavery. And this day, the Jews always remembered that. Now, I don't know if in the moment of Luke 19, anyone saw that parallel. But you know that Jesus did. You know Jesus knew what he was doing. It was right for them to declare king, but he was the Passover lamb riding into their homes in Jerusalem to forever provide deliverance, to forever provide healing and salvation. So the cry, save us now, was the right cry. It just wasn't the moment for the political and cultural deliverance. It was the moment to provide once and for all spiritual deliverance deliverance for every nation, tribe, and tongue for all time. A final sacrifice once and for all, the final Passover lamb that would take away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. And here we are today. Blessed is he. So in that day in Egypt, when they took the Passover lambs into their homes that week, and then later slaughtered them the next Sabbath, put the The blood over their lampposts so that the angel of death would pass over their homes. It was a corporate deliverance that they did experience. He literally did take them out of Egypt and lead them out um, in victory, but it was also individual in that the Passover, one Passover lamb needed to be taken into each household, and that household had to consume that lamb actually in its entirety. Every member of the household was to consume that land. So while Jesus offered his, his self as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, and it became once and for all for the people of God a corporate deliverance, it's one that is received personally. We must each partake and put our faith in Jesus alone. You could even make a case for households being saved through the Passover lamb as we receive him and partake of him. And in that day, he did deliver them, as I said, out of slavery, but there was a process to get them to the promised land. Am I right? There was a need for them to follow the one who led them out until he led them in again. Is is that right? And I bet they would have really enjoyed it a lot more, appreciated his Deliverance, so much more if all they had to do was walk out of the hands of their captors and right into the promised land. Isn't that we, we would like to write the story? <laughs> uh, come on, Jesus, we can do this better. I have a better way to write the story. I feel like someone shared a, sto- uh, a prophetic word <laughs> to set up our message really well today. Thanks, Cindy. But they ha- would have to follow They'd have to follow him into unknown spaces, unknown places. They'd have to be put in a position to trust him in ways they'd never had to trust him before, where they had no means of provision for even food. They didn't even know where they're going. It was this ultimate dependence, even a dark night, if you would, if you would like to call it that, a dark night of the soul where they found him to truly be their one and only, their king of kings, their lord of lords. But it didn't look as glorious on the front end as they may have wished. So Jesus rides in on the great Sabbath as the Passover lamb, on a donkey, as a king, letting us know once and for all, and even forever, hindsight 2020, who he truly is, and what he was coming to do, We have to fully receive Jesus as the Passover lamb, as the Messiah king. And it's this one thing that as the people of Israel forever remembered the Passover, that set them aside, declared to the world that they were God's people. We receive Jesus today and we are marked forever, set apart as we follow him as Lord and Savior, that we are different, chosen. There are many willing to celebrate a king coming, but who really wanted a king like him on his terms? That's the bigger question. Because they saw a king coming, but what they were getting was a sacrificial lamb. And to deliver them, he had to deliver himself up. And I'm not sure anyone fully understood that in the moment. Now, the religious leaders... They should have been put, able to put two and two together, right? Like, they're the ones that knew the scriptures. But they're the ones that got upset. They're offended. And different gospels say it different ways, but probably because they were used to being the ones that held so much sway over the people of God. They're the ones who are venerated and honored and revered. And here comes this one. Who's taken the attention of the whole nation to himself? And instead of celebrating, they're offended. As the people cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he. This is our Messiah. This is our king. And they tell, tell him, Jesus, 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 tell your disciples to be quiet. And he says, the forever famous: if they don't cry out, the rocks are gonna. There will not be silence on this day, because this day must be commemorated. When I come in as Passover lamb and Messiah king, there must be a shout that goes out because it's true. It must be recognized, and I'm not going to shut them up. I'm not going to rebuke them. I'm not going to set them straight. This is the way it should be. But they had, a, the religious leaders of the day had an idea of what this was supposed to look like, and this did not fit their paradigm. And I wonder how many times Jesus is showing up on our behalf, in our situation, and it's just not the way we thought it would go. It's not not fitting our paradigm, and we so easily can get offended and say, this isn't it. This isn't what Jesus wanted to do. This isn't the way he promised it would happen. And we marry ourselves sometimes to our expectation, our idea of what Jesus is supposed to do our idea of what Jesus is supposed to look like. And when we marry ourselves to our idea instead of letting him be king, we're most likely to miss him. And we may actually be offended when he shows up in our situation. And and I would say this this could be one of the greatest issues of our day. The people, even faithful people, that love Jesus or profess Jesus are, are trying to make Jesus in their own image. They're trying to form and fashion the narrative in a way that they like, in a way that the culture likes, instead of just receiving him as he is. Instead of just receiving him as king, he is king, he is, we are not. But he's also the kindest and the humblest, noblest king of all. Both are true and both matter. But who recognized him on that day, and who recognizes him today as blessed be the one? That's really the question of the hour, because one week later, after they're shouting in the streets, Hosanna, blessed be the, the one who comes, the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they're shouting, crucify him. One week later, his best friend denies him. One week later, they all turn and run, because he wasn't doing what they thought he should do. Because the narrative didn't turn out the way they wanted it. They're confused. They're offended. And they ended up walking through a valley they weren't expecting. Jesus is glorious. He is worthy of endless shouts of praise. And if we don't give him the praise he deserves, the rocks will cry out because creation knows too. But he also walked through the valley. He walked through the crucifixion. He he walked into the grave for the joy set before him so he could provide for us the ultimate resurrection and you can't erase that part. Now I said at the top, that's a prophetic picture of what is happening in the earth and what will happen before he returns. Are you seeing where this is going? We receive Jesus as King, and He is beautiful, and He is glorious, and He is majestic. But before He returns, there will be a dark hour. There will be a moment that doesn't look beautiful and glorious, where it looked like it all went wrong. Jesus, you promised us victory. This doesn't look like victory. But we have to remember at the end of the valley, the valley. Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. It's only a shadow. And you know what happens on the other side? Jesus sets a table for you on the other side of the valley. But you still get to walk through the valley. And some of you know this personally. Some of you had very personal moments in your life where you've literally walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And not all of us have had those most intense moments, but we all have moments where things seem dark, where Jesus doesn't seem to be coming through. And it's in those moments we're most likely to become disillusioned. And we get disappointed. We feel like in that moment, where were you, Lord? Where did, where did you hide? Why weren't you there with me? And yet, he was with you all along. Even if you turned away like Peter and the rest of the disciples. Even if you didn't recognize the moment, he didn't leave. He didn't leave. If we can stay with him, his rod and staff are with us even in the valley to lead us through to the table, the wedding table of the lamb. It's prepared. It's ready for us. So we receive, we receive, we rejoice in a beautiful, beautiful Savior We receive in this age, as he has come, dead, buried, resurrected, ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, and we rejoice and we celebrate and we must. But there will be a dark hour before the final resurrection. There will be persecution. There will be a cost. And Jesus prophesied all that as well, and he said many would turn away, even as many turned away of him on that day. But the Holy Spirit right now is preparing a people who will stand faithful with Jesus. They will follow Jesus as king to the end, even in the dark moments where they don't know where they're going, where they have to trust him for everything, for all of their provision, for all of their reputation, where he, they have to follow his lead to a place they've never gone before. The Holy Spirit right now is strengthening us as a people. He is empowering us as people to be ready for that day, And even as he says in the parable of the wise and the foolish, that we are being prepared in this moment to gather the oil of knowing him in the light so we can walk with him through the dark. So we have light to carry when darkness fills the earth, that we're not without his light, we're not without his presence, because we've walked with him today. Palm Sunday was right. Jesus should be lauded, but it has to go deeper than the lauding him. Our understanding of his his worth has to translate to when the pressure is not just on him, but when the pressure is on us. What happens when you're being questioned, when you're put on trial, whether literally or figuratively, for following Jesus? When people try to silence you or cancel you, will we let the rocks cry out in our place? You know, when they shouted out that Hosanna, it was a cry of adoration, it was a cry of acclamation, but it also could have been the cry of loudest <laughs> political dissent that had come up in the middle of Jerusalem as well. It was a bold cry of who they would follow and who would they stand for and who they would stand with. When we're questioning the pressures on us, will we declare blessed is he? Blessed is the one. When the world, as it does today, seeks to crucify him by discrediting the truth of Jesus. They seek to crucify him by diluting it with other messages and other truths and my truth and your truth and their truth and this truth. There's one truth. And his name is Jesus. And he's a person. Will we stand with him? Will we stand with his truth in the days to come? Will we seek revival for the blessings, or will we pray for an outpouring because we understand we need it for the days to come? World powers already are persecuting the gospel in other nations, and some would say even here. You know, it's already happening. Why do governments, why did the Pharisees get upset? Why were they jealous? Why do communist governments always shut down or take control of the church because they want the power. They want to be the ones in charge. So it's easy to celebrate Jesus when things are good, when the crowds gather, when you're at the conference, you're in the arena, you know. It's easy to celebrate in those moments when there are miracles and it's right. But the one who has understanding is the one who will sit at his feet today and will celebrate him when there are no crowds. When the miracles don't seem as evident. When the world is persecuting, it's like, Jesus, why is this happening? I didn't expect it to go down this way. The wise and the understanding have sat at his feet because there was one who had understanding, at least one who understood what was going down, one who understood that he wasn't just King, Messiah, and Lord, but a Passover lamb because she took all that she had and broke it on his feet that week and anointed him for burial, whether she knew it or not. And who was she? What set her apart? How did she know this one in a way that others did not recognize him? She was the one who chose to sit at his feet. She's the one that sat and listened to his words, hung on his words, and saw him clearly. If we will be the ones in this hour to sit at his feet, to hang on his words, we will rightly discern him. Even in the midst of the dark, we will rightly receive him even when we might be in the valley of the shadow. It's the wise and understanding who sit at the feet of the Lord. Let's finish the passage in Luke 19. What happens immediately after this celebration? Verse 45, when Jesus then entered the temple courts, you all know this story, don't you? He began to drive out those who were selling. It's written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. Catch the end of this. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Oh, that we would be people who hang on his words. That we wouldn't let the busyness, the headlines, the cultural norms, the noise. There's a lot of noise And that when persecution comes, we wouldn't let it rob us of hanging on his words. We wouldn't let it rob us of the place of prayer. My house shall be a place of prayer. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet when there was much work to be done. I tell you, in the kingdom, there is much work to be done. And it's not wrong to do the work. Jesus tells us in another place, Work while you have the light. But we also need to sit with him. We need to hear from him. We need to be found in the place of prayer. We need to become, even in our own hearts, a house of prayer, a place where the Lord can dine and dwell and speak to us. We need to be the ones that hang on his every word so that we don't get robbed from knowing he, he truly is. And when the times and seasons change, we're not confused. We know how to lean in. We know how to hear. We know how to follow The cloud by night the fire night night and the cloud by day. We don't want to be cheering one moment and crying, crucify him the next. We want to be following him wherever he goes. So just to bring it down to kinda land this thing, maybe there's been times In your life, when you've seen Jesus at work, you knew he was the king. You were willing to give him everything. You knew he he was the one that you wanted and needed, and it would be easy for you to cry, blessed is he, Hosanna, my king. But I bet there are many of us who've gone through times and seasons where we felt like he didn't come through, or there are just dark moments where he didn't seem to be the king you wanted or needed, but I want to tell you he still is. He still is the king you want. He still is the king you need. And he never left you. He'll never forsake you. The right response, no matter where you are right now, will always be, Hosanna. Blessed is he. Come save me. <laughs> save me from myself. Save me from my sin. Save, you, save me from my disillusionment. Save me from my discouragement. And save me from thinking I've got you figured out. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Deliver me. When we cry out to him that way, he will always come through. The process, the timing may not be what we hoped or imagined, but he will always come through. And he will deliver us in the most thorough and the most final fashion. Jesus could have taken a throne that day, but it would not have been the fullness of deliverance we really needed. So don't doubt him. When he comes through, it will be the fullness. It'll be the fullness of your healing. It'll be the fullness of your freedom, the fullness of your deliverance. When it's all said and done, when he has the final word, he will do it right. And he'll do it with eternity in mind and the fullness of heart for you. So wherever we are right now, may we cry out, Hosanna. Declare him savior. Declare blessed are you, Lord. You're worthy of my praise. No matter the situation, you are my worthy king. Let's stand together. And may we never back down, never shy away, never lower our voice about him being the king. No matter how uncomfortable it makes people, Or how unfavorable it may be that we would always willingly and wholeheartedly declare, worthy is he, blessed is he. He's the only one that can deliver us. He's the only one that can save. And you know what? He will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bless you today. We thank you for being the faithful king, to always seeing and knowing the end from the beginning for always leading us in triumphal procession in your name, Jesus. And Lord, we just come before you, leaning into you afresh. God, and I pray for those who may be here, who even now are, are stuck in a place of, of missing seeing you, feeling disillusioned, feeling discouraged, not understanding what you are up to. Right now, I pray that you would cut off those bonds, that you would lift the burden, even as Debbie testified. Those who find themselves feeling heavy, laden today, that you would lift that burden of disillusionment. You'd cut off the work of discouragement. God, Then you give them eyes afresh to see you, a heart afresh to yoke to you, King Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would root us and ground us in your perfect love. God, that you draw us away to sit at your feet, to look in your face, to hang on every word so we can rightly discern you in the times that we're living we would boldly and wholeheartedly declare worthy is the one, blessed is the king, Hosanna to the one and only. Forever and ever we declare your lordship and kingship. Lord, would you solidify in our hearts today this reality. Deliver us from fair weather following. Oh Lord, deliver us from praising when it's good and getting discouraged when we don't understand. God, deliver us from living by our own expectations and lead us, lead us, lead us to follow you, to follow you as king, to follow you as the Passover lamb, to follow you all of our days. If that's you today, I just want to give you a space right here to lay down the questions to lay down the disillusionments to lay down the heavy burden you don't have to walk around with that the Lord today was to give you the lightness of a rejoicing heart a garland of praise instead of despair even if you're walking through a valley right now it's just a momentary shadow and he will lead you out to feast at his table Would you set your eyes beyond the moment and see Jesus? See Jesus, see Jesus, see Jesus. And if you're here today and you're turned away or not following Jesus at all, I wanna give you a moment to turn to him. I wanna give you an opportunity, I wanna make an invitation to you to see him as the king you need and the king you want and to bow your life before him. If you're here today, and you need to bow your knee to King Jesus, to confess faith in him and him alone, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Is that anyone today? Lord, here we are, we all, we declare you our king afresh, just telling Jesus, you are my king, you are my king, You are my everything, and I know you will see me through. Would strengthen us today with power, with might in our inmost being by the Holy Spirit.